Hello, everybody. Dr. Lonnie Stewart here from the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Are you a physical therapy student about to start studying for the National Physical Therapy Examination? Or maybe you're a professor, a program director, or a clinical instructor who teaches DPT students preparing for the NPTE? Either way, we would recommend checking out our sponsor, NPTE Final Frontier, and the community they've built around preparing for and succeeding on the NPTE. That exam and the preparation that goes along with it can be long, tedious, difficult, and stress-inducing, but it doesn't have to be. NPTE Final Frontier has the tactics and resources to help address all of the usual barriers. They even have scholarships to help with NPTE study courses, FSBPT registration fees, and even research opportunities. And if that's not enough, they're even donating to the very first annual HET Podcast Scholarship to be awarded at the end of every year. Go to NPTEFF.com for all of the details and use code HET for 10% off all purchases. Links to both the NPTE Final Frontier and their scholarship options are available in the show notes. And now, let's get ready to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field. And we got round two today with uh, Chris Varela of Varela Financial. Uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit more about some of the repayment plans that are out there for student loans. Last time we kind of touched on the IBR 2014 and the pays you earn. Today, we're going to start off with the IBR 2009, where that is going, and then the new save plan. So Chris, go ahead and take it away. Let us know about those plans and what they look like. Yeah, so obviously, and it's good timing for this because we're about a month out from all the change within the federal student loan repayment system. So this is good timing. So we were originally going to talk about IBR 09 and the revised pays you earn plan, but the revised pays you earn plan or the repay option is getting phased out. So it's not going to be a plan anymore. So if you're on this plan, uh, you don't have to do anything. We'll talk about it. Or we'll talk about it during this episode, but you don't need to do anything. But the plan that you're on is going to get phased out and you're automatically going to get put onto what's called the save plan. Now, the save plan it works in a really unique way, which we're going to cover today. And uh, what's unique is that before the save plan, there were a couple situations where there's clients where sometimes in the short term, they would want to use the repay option. But then once they got married, they want to, they would want to switch to the IBR 2009 plan because the IBR 2009 plan allows you to file separately from your spouse, uh, whereas the repay option didn't. It would require your total household income and then your payment would be based on that. So now with the save plan being implemented, it totally changes everything because that plan also allows you to file separately to keep lower payments. So um, basically what we'll do is similar to the last episode, I'll just share my screen and uh, we'll just go through the efficiencies of how the plan works. And again, I'm going to jump around a little bit with the save plan just because I need to, because it's it, it just works really unique or it works in a really unique fashion. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, let me, let me share my screen and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Absolutely. So if you, if first, you guys are listening to this on the podcast, you can check out the YouTube channel, uh, just backslash healthcare education transformation podcast, uh, at YouTube. And you'll be able to see these, uh, screen shares that Chris is doing to kind of show the numbers and compare the, uh, the stats line by line. So now the IBR09, which uh, is income-based repayment 2009, the way this plan works is your payment would be based off of 15% of your discretionary income. And as the pays you earn plan and some of the other plans we talked about, discretionary income is anything that is over 150% of the federal poverty line. So again, that means if your family size is one, so you're not married, no kids, 
your federal poverty level would be $14,580 per year. 150% of that number would be $21,870 per year. So in other words, anything over this $21,000 number, that's your discretionary income. So 15% of that number you for 25 years until it's either paid off or forgiven. This plan does not require spousal income consideration. So that again, that means that you can file separately from your spouse to maintain lower monthly payments. And the interest accrues at 100%, which always sounds like a negative, but it's, it's really not. It just means that if your interest rate was 6%, you would accrue the full 6%, right? So there's nothing really unique with the interest accrual there. So that's how that plan would work. Now, generally with the revised pays you earn plan, which I understand it's not on the screen and, and there's really no visual for it, but the way the plan used to work is your payment instead of being 15%, would have been 10% of your discretionary income, also for 25 years. But with the repay option, it did require spousal incomes, right? So basically the strategy was that because it's a lower monthly payment or a lower percentage, when you're not in a dual income family, we would sometimes start out on that plan. And then if and when you got married, you would then start filing separately from your spouse and then switch over to the IBR 2009 plan because that would actually have a lower monthly payment so on and so forth, right? Uh, but now that that need for change completely goes away if, if we're just being blunt, right? Uh, or at least from what I've seen from the safe plan, just completely goes away. Um, so that's the IBR09 plan. And, and also, and Scott and I were talking about this offline, the strategy of going from one plan to another is just completely going away. So I don't really know if there's gonna be any cases really where IBR 2009 makes sense. Like we've already been reaching out to a lot of our clients, Scott included, he probably got that email today. Yep. But we're reaching out to all of our clients to basically to say like, look, regardless of what you've been planning for and whatever our recommendations were before, like we need to investigate the save plan because it potentially will give you lower monthly payments and a lower tax bill in comparison to the other plan that you were on. Now, and, and there, we have had some cases where we did the meeting uh, and it did not make sense to switch, right? So it's not, this isn't a universal thing. Like there is an analysis that needs to be done. But if it does make sense to switch, here's how the safe plan works. It works in one of three ways. So I'll try to talk through it as best as I can. So basically it works if, if all your loans were from undergrad, it works in a specific way. If all of your loans were from graduate school, so like your doctorate program, right? Then that would work a, a certain way as well. And then if you have a mixture of undergrad and graduate school, that has its own uh, function as well. well. On the save plan, if all of your loans were from undergrad, your monthly payment would be 5% of your discretionary income. But here's a very important thing to know. They changed the definition of discretionary income for this plan. So for the other plans, your discretionary income was anything over 150% of the federal poverty line, right? So if you were single, that number would be $21,000 and some change. Now, I'll try to make this so it blocks the screen. So now your payment would be based off of anything that's over 225% of the federal poverty line. So what that means is that if you're single in terms of not married with no kids, your family size is one, 225% of the federal poverty line is going to be $32,805 per year. So it's a smaller percentage of payment based on a smaller number. So that's going to give you a drastically lower monthly yeah. payment, right? Yeah. So again, if all your loans are undergrad, it would be 5% of anything over 225% of the federal poverty line for 20 years until it's paid off or forgiven. This plan allows you to file separately to maintain lower payments from your spouse. And here's the biggest benefit, in my opinion. There's no interest accrual. So that means your loan forgiveness tax bill will only ever be based on your remaining principal balance at forgiveness. So that means if you have a $200,000 loan 
and your payments are X over the years, right? It's whatever number. At forgiveness, if you had $200,000 of your loan forgiven and $100,000 of interest that was accrued, that $100,000 of interest just goes away. Your tax bill will only be based on your remaining principal balance. Another way that this works, which is unique, is that let's say that you had a $200,000 loan and let's say you were accruing $600 of interest every single month, right? And your monthly payment was only $200. When you make that $200 monthly payment, all of that $200 is only going towards interest. But that remaining $400 that's remaining of the interest, that does not balloon or accrue on your loan. It just goes away. Literally, it just goes away. So any payment you make is likely just going to tackle the interest, depending on the, the size of your principal balance. Um, but at forgiveness, your tax bill will never be based off of any number higher than your remaining principal balance. So that's for undergrad loans. Now, if all your loans are from your DPT program, which is actually not totally common for us to see, but we do see it occasionally, but most people have a combination. But if all your loans were from your DPT program or any graduate program, your payment would be 10% of anything over the 225% of the federal poverty line number for 25 years. This plan allows you to file separately to keep your lower payments from your spouse. And again, the interest is waived at forgiveness. So your tax bill is only based on the remaining principal balance. Now, if you had a combination of the two, it's a weighted average. So just to keep it really simple, if you had a 50-50 split between undergrad and postgrad, your payment would be 7.5% of anything over the 225% number that we showed and we talked about, right? So again, it's a little more complex if you have a combination of the two, but the simulator that we use and a couple other simulators out there, they do factor in that weighted average. Um, but to explain today, it's a, it's, it's a harder calculation to just explain verbally. Uh, but basically, it would be a weighted average. So another way to look at it is that if 85% of your debt is from uh, graduate school, your payment's going to be closer to like 8.5%, so on and so forth. So that's how the save plan works. Now, again, I, I again, Scott and I were talking about this offline. I have a gut feeling that the save plan is going to phase out any need for IBR 2009, because generally, the only time we would use it and now for a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Varela Financial. If you're a physical therapist and you have student loan debt, you got to talk to these guys. What makes them unique is that they view financial planning like running hurdles on a track. And for PTs, the first hurdle many of us run into is student loan debt. Varela Financial will help you get over that hurdle. They not only take the time to explain to you which plans you individually qualify for and how those plans work, but they also take the time to show you what your individual case looks like mapped out within each option. So if you're looking for help on your student loan debt or any area of personal finances, we recommend working with them. I use Varela Financial personally, and they were able to help me lower my student loan repayment from about $1,800 a month down to about $135 per month simply by finding the right repayment plan that best fit me, my family, and our life goals. You can check them out at varelafinancial.com. Link is in the show notes if you need it for reference and tell them the HET podcast crew sent you. And now back to the show. Is if you didn't qualify for the other plans, but I, and I think as long as, so anybody that has a federal direct loan balance, so your, your Stafford loans, whether they're upsubsidized, subsidized, grad plus. So any federal direct loan balance will qualify for the safe plan option, whether undergrad, postgrad, or both. So yeah, I mean, I, I just would knowing, I mean, we've done probably uh, over a thousand cases at this point in the, in the years, 
I don't really see if there's going to be a need for IBR09. And I think the safe plan is, is going to take over as the dominant plan um, yeah. for most people. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I guess then again, the question becomes like, you know, what are we looking at as far as uh, qualifications for that safe plan? And then, you know, who does that make the most sense for? Yeah. So the qualifications we kind of just spoke about, right? So as long as all your loans are federal direct loans, any federal direct loan balance will qualify. So, so there's that not also even a date or a cutoff on that? No wow. date, no cutoff. Um, 100% of federal direct loan balances, uh, which if you remember during the other episode, the pay as you earn was unique or the pay as you earn plan was unique because you would only qualify if you took loans after October 1st of 2007 right. and, and, and out. But remember that people that didn't qualify for the pay as you earn plan would, would qualify for the repay option if all their loans were federal direct loans. So now with the save plan taking the place of the revised pay as you earn plan, 100% of those people, uh, will qualify for the safe plan. So the qualifications are really simple. But that also means if you have federal, if you have uh, Perkins loans, if you have FFEL loans, you're probably going to need to do a federal direct loan consolidation. Yeah. Before you ever do that, though, you need to talk to somebody like myself yep. uh, because there are times when you, even if you need to do that, it still doesn't make sense because you're capitalizing interest, et cetera. But generally speaking, there are ways to get your FFEL loan and Perkins loans into a federal direct loan. But again, you have to speak to a professional before you do that so that you, you're not increasing any balances by a significant amount. But the, generally the times that it makes sense to use the safe plan, and this is where it gets tricky because it's so new. And we've had a couple of cases where we looked at it with our clients that were on a different plan. And we actually ended up determining that it does not make sense to switch because the pays you were in plan was actually more cost efficient. And that's usually if you're, if you're ready, if you've already been on the plan for X number of years and the tax bills ends up being lower than the other plans, so on and so forth. So again, there, there is an analysis that always needs to get done. Yeah. But generally speaking, I would say if you qualify for this plan and you're just starting out or you've only been on a, a, an income-driven repayment plan for a handful of years, it likely will make sense if you still fall into that like two-to-one debt-to-income ratio. Or again, it's a little bit of a stretch, but even if, if you have any more federal loan debt than you do income, you should at least investigate it. But when you're in that, where you have double the amount of federal debt as income, that's usually when this plan will, will likely be a no-brainer, especially yeah. when you factor in future family size. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I guess then the the you know the question becomes then on this new save plan, it'll be a similar outcome where once you get to the end, you have an X amount forgiven, and you'll have to pay for that uh, in you know a tax bill at the end of it. Right? Is that still the case? Yeah. So, and what we've been telling people at a very high level, and this was every case before the save plan where there were things that could happen in your life that would change our original projections. We could have projected out that you'd be married in year X and then have two kids by year Y. Uh, but then in reality, let's say that you got married and you had four kids instead of two. That would change your projections. Your tax right. bill would actually probably be a little higher than before, even though your monthly payments and your total costs would have actually went down because of the efficiencies, right? Um, so that's generally like the, the, the uh, loan forgiveness tax will fluctuate on the different plans. But with the safe plan, it's really simple. We know that at a maximum, your tax bill is going to be based off your original or remaining principal balance. So let's say you have a $200,000 tax bill and let's even just hike the tax rates up to 40%. 40% of, of 200,000 is $80,000. So if you have a $200,000 loan balance and you're going to use the safe plan, again, you need to create a strategy to maintain lower payments. But we know that based off a of 40% tax rate, your tax bill is not really going to be more than $80,000. Yeah. It's going to be within that range, right? Do we know exactly what tax rates are going to be 20, 25 years from now? No, 
We know they're going to increase in the short term, probably again in the long term, right? 40% is just kind of a conservative number that we're using at this time. Could be higher in reality at that time, could be lower, so on and so forth, right? But it makes doing this type of repayment planning a little easier because again, we kind of have like a maximum ceiling for what we believe the tax bill will be. Will be. So then it makes, it just gives you more confidence when you're creating a strategy to save for that number because you really you can have a really confident outlook and view on what that tax bill is going to be in reality. For sure. Well, Chris, again, thank you so much for enlightening us on these uh, different plans and, and what they look like and who, who sure. can benefit from which ones. Uh, where can people reach out to you and find more information on this stuff if uh, they want to you know, get in touch with you and talk about a plan for them and what makes the most sense for them? Yeah, you can definitely do your own research. A good place to go to is the studentaid.gov website, uh, but there is almost like information overload there. And a lot of the feedback that we get from people is that when they investigate their repayment options on any website, all the loans, all the loan plans or all the repayment plans look really similar, but what they end up resulting in terms of long-term and short-term costs is drastically different. So it gets a little overwhelming to try to figure out yourself. So your best option is really just to go to our website and schedule a 15 to 30 minute phone call with us. It's completely free. Again, it's 30 minutes of your time max. What we do is we just, we talk a little bit about your case. We talk about how we can, we can probably help you, uh, what options you'll have at your disposal, what direction we think your, your plan should go and so on and so forth. So yeah, just save your time, just save yourself a ton of time and just schedule a call with us. Again, it's, it's a free call. You have nothing to lose. And um, yeah, they can find us at our website, which is varelafinancial.com. Uh, also feel free to follow us on any social pages. Instagrams, we're really where we're the most active. And yeah, we uh, we have a lot of really good contextual content on social media. So hopefully uh, you can follow along and, and get some information that helps you out. Yeah. And I love some of the case studies you're doing on social media too, because that really shows just like, hey, this is a real life person that's just like you. Yes. This might work for you. Or, oh, this person's more like you. Check out this one. You know, it's like you're just doing the work. You're showing the, uh, the actual, you know, the case studies that are out there and working for uh, people. So. I appreciate the work you're doing. And we'll drop all those links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Uh, once again, Chris, thank you so much for your time, man, and for coming on and making this stuff at least palatable. You know, I know it's not easy. I don't want to do it. That's why I go to you, man, because I, again, I don't have time to figure all this stuff out. So if I can just go to the experts who know, I'm all for it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for having me. And we always tell people specializations exist for a reason, right? If I just, if I'm rehabbing from a knee surgery, does it make sense for me to rehab it myself? Absolutely not. I should go to a PT that specializes in that, right? So it's no different with personal finances, financial planning, student loan planning. You can do it yourself, but you're probably going to have better results and you're going to save yourself a lot of time by just going to the experts. So um, yeah, most of our clients see that value. So again, thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, it's a pleasure every single time. And um, uh, yeah, we're always here if anybody needs help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you and catch up with you soon after the next round of changes and what, what comes up. <laughs> Lord knows we're not done yet, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, we'll definitely see. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. But well, I hope that episode was entertaining as much as it was informational and educational. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, we ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And please share out the episodes to those who you feel may be able to benefit from them. We also urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at HET Podcast and let us know what topics or experts you would like to hear from in future episodes. And just as a reminder, none of the information on today's show should be considered medical advice. 
It's simply infotainment or edutainment to help educate our audience. For medical advice, we always advise you to reach out to your preferred medical professionals, and we'll see you on the next show.